The following is a presentation of The Connection Church, a place where people are being set free. If you'd like to know more information about our community, you can join us online at connectionchurchnc.com. Wow. If, uh, if you're not awake yet, you took too much Lunesta last night, I can promise you that. Guys, I want you to give it up right now for Ben and the worship team, man. Uh, they led us some wonderful worship this morning. And that's what they're to do, is they're to take us to this place that we're not really even comfortable going. But man, they are taking us to a place that we've never been. Man, and then they did that this morning, and I'm thankful for their style of worship. And so I want to just start off by letting you guys in on a little bit of personal information about myself. Some of you in here know me, some of you don't. And if for those of you who know me, uh, you'll know this is not surprising. For those of you who don't, listen, I know I'm a sissy, but I don't like bugs, I don't like snakes, I don't like anything like that that crawls on the ground. There's actually some uh, security footage of an elevator scene in Durham just this past December, that if any one of you get a hold of it, you will love it because I freaked out like lost my mind over a toy cockroach, a toy cockroach, a toy cockroach. I was trapped in an elevator with six girls and I, I literally almost killed all six girls because of this toy cockroach. But, but yeah, you know, there's a thing called a chameleon. And there's a picture of it that you're going to see on the screen here in a second. But there, a chameleon intrigues me. I would never hold one of these things. I would never let my children have one of these things. But these things intrigue me. Because these chameleons are able to change the color of their skin. Now, they can't change like to like polka dot and plaid and those type of things. But they are able to change this beautiful green color to like a brown or, or a gray or, or some other color, like a dark, dark green. You've seen these chameleons in action, I'm sure. But you know, if you've done any kind of research, if you've been through science class in middle school, you know that this chameleon does that for a very specific purpose. And the purpose is that it changes the, the color of its skin because that's a defense mechanism, right? Like it changes the color of its skin to match its surrounding so that it will not get eaten. Because if it does not envelop the environment around him, he's going to die. And so we all, every single one of us sitting out here today, we all have those kind of defense mechanisms. Now you cannot change the color of your skin that much. Now, you have your own defense mechanism in certain ways because somewhere deep down inside of you, every one of us, we want to blend in because we want the security of our surroundings. Not many of us, I say not many of us because there are the very few probably in this group here today that do not mind standing out. There's not many of you in here today wearing skinny jeans, right? Those of you who are, you do not mind standing out. I love this guy right here, don't you? He does not mind standing out, and I love that. I wish he had a bigger area because he would be doing cartwheels and jumping jacks and all kinds of things, wouldn't he? But he has like a four-by-six mat that he has to stay on. But he's not afraid of standing out, but most of us... Man, we are afraid of standing out. 
And so we, over the time, have we developed our own defense mechanisms because we're just afraid to stand out from the crowd. And listen, the church, the church over the years, and I don't even know how far to go back, but the church over the years, and Christians over the years, we have developed defense mechanisms. Because the church and Christians were just so afraid to stand out from the crowd. And so we've all started to look alike and our language and our actions have all started to sound and look alike. But not Jesus. You see, if we look very closely at the Jesus of the gospel... We see that Jesus did not have a defense mechanism. If you look at the Jesus of the gospel, and listen, that rock is not for you to throw at me right now when I say this. But if you look at the Jesus of the gospel and the Jesus that the church has portrayed for so many years, you're going to see that there's a little bit of difference. But nowhere in the gospel message Do you see Jesus blending in with the crowd? Nowhere in the gospel message do you see Jesus trying to look like everyone else. No, Jesus was not afraid of standing out and standing his ground. Jesus didn't have a defense mechanism. And if we, as we study the gospel... And as you go study the gospel, and as you filter into Momentum One class at this church, you're going to learn that Jesus, you've heard it for three weeks now, his main concern was not pleasing everyone or going with the flow, but Jesus' main concern was the people. And so today we look in John's gospel. So if you would turn to John chapter 8. We're going to stay here today. We're not going to be flipping all around. John chapter 8 is where we're going to be looking at the life of Jesus. And I will just say this. If we proclaim here at Connection Church that we have a brand new identity And I truly believe that that's what the gospel message is, that this old life has been crucified with Jesus and that we have a new life in Christ. And so if we're going to have a new identity and it's going to take on the likings of Jesus, then guys, we're going to have to stake our claim. Even though we are a church, we're going to have to stake our claim and we're not going to we cannot be afraid to stand out. We cannot be afraid of looking just a little different than the crowd. We're going to have to be willing to put our defense mechanisms aside and we're going to have to stand up for the people and we're going to have to stand up for the gospel because that's what Jesus did. And if we're going to share in his identity, if we're going to truly share in his identity, then church, we're going to have to do the same thing. John chapter 8, 
starting at verse 1. It says this, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around to hear him and he sat to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught. This woman was caught in adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. Now, what do you say? says they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw the stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground at this. Those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Let's set this scene if we can. You've got about three different people in this story. You've got the adulterous woman. Listen, the guilty. Let me make myself clear. The guilty adulterous woman. Guilty. You've got the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the ones who knew the law backwards and forwards. And then you've got this great big crowd And then you have Jesus, so there's actually four. But if I can, let me me just borrow a chair real quick. I don't know what this is. Looks like germs. Do I have any volunteers for an adulterous woman? Daryl, you look like the adulterous woman. Come here. Give it up for the adulterous woman, church. Yeah, you see, they weren't doing that in, the, in this story. They had their rock ready to throw it. Well, you're going to have to throw it at yourself. It's bright up here, isn't it, Daryl? That's why they want to see that pretty adulterous face, man. This is what this scene looked like. I want you to understand that, that these people, the Pharisees, the religious The teachers, they brought out this adulterous woman. They made her come before the group. And listen, that is just so, it's so much even like us today. Because if we can get someone else's sin under the spotlight, it takes the spotlight off of our sin, doesn't it? Listen, I don't want my sin to be focused on, so let's focus on the adulterous woman's sin. It says they made her come out and stand before the group. I'm not going to make him stand this whole time this morning, but they made her come before the crowd. It says the teachers of the law and the Pharisees were just up to no good and they wanted to trap Jesus somehow to accuse him, but Jesus wasn't in for all the games. 
And the teachers of the law said, listen, Jesus, the law says, in the law of Moses, Jesus, a woman caught in adultery. Do you understand that this woman was caught? I don't know if someone walked in on the act, but she was caught red-handed guilty. And so the law, the law says that this woman was to die. Jesus, what do you say about it? I love Jesus. He probably so calmly says that he just bent down and started to write something in the dirt. Some of you are like, oh yeah, I wonder what he was writing. Some of you probably say, I know what he was writing. Listen, what he was writing and what he was doing makes no difference. That's not the focus here. You see, I think the focus is this. While Jesus was writing, while Jesus was stooping down, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who, yes, according to the law, were 100% right, but they were missing something so huge. You see, church, we miss something so huge when all that we're focused on is the rule and is the judgment and is the law. You see, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they missed the fact that there was a person here. A person. Where did we go wrong? I don't know where we went wrong. And I don't know when it started to go wrong. But somewhere it went wrong. Because we took over the judge's position. And we want to make sure that people get what they deserve. And we forget the fact that yes, the guilty one, the one who committed something wrong, is a person. You see, I think that as a church, that we're so afraid of sin. Let me clarify. We're afraid of other people's sin. We're not afraid of our sin. Actually, our sin's fun, right? We're afraid of others' sin. And we're afraid of other sinners. And so if we can shun and if we can condemn the sin and the sinners. You see, the church, I think that we found it easier to do that than it is to actually embrace the sinner and love the sinner and to show the sinner grace. Hey, listen, this is difficult. This is hard. 
yeah, you guys, we, I don't throw stones. Yeah, we don't throw stones anymore, do we? I mean, I have not been hit with a rock since fifth grade on the playground at Wahlberg Elementary School. Angela Smith hit me right in the back of the head with a rock, and it bled. And I hope she listens to this podcast, because I'm glad she got in trouble. She deserved it. Angela, your parents live on um, Friendship Ledford Road. I have forgiven you, but I'm glad you got in trouble. You see, we don't, we don't throw rocks anymore, but we sure as heck, we don't love them, do we? You see, here's what we do. <laughs> that, that adulterous woman, we pull out our phones and we go straight to Facebook, don't we? And, and we start to do kind of things and we text our friends. We go to Twitter and we start to have all these conversations and then it just gets out of control. Yeah, there's one of my conversations about this adulterous woman. That's what we do. You see, that's throwing rocks in the year 2014. That's easier to do than it is to love them. Oh, oh you don't have a Facebook account? Oh, here's adulterous woman. Listen, I'm going to pray for you. Listen, I know that, man, I... Listen, I know it must have been a difficult situation. I am going to pray for you. God bless you, sister. Can you believe what that hoochie mama did? I mean, can you believe it? I mean, seriously. Can you believe that she's sleeping around with that guy? That guy of all things. I mean, did you see that? I didn't see it coming. I mean, her husband's rich. This guy ain't got a... Oh, so you don't have a Facebook account. You just take it straight to the face. That's what you do. Oh, you don't gossip? Oh, you get uber spiritual on us. You go to Scripture. Yes. I'm guilty of that too. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Back on March 25th of 2001, if you don't mind, let me just read some of my notes. I listened to a sermon back on that date in 2001. Yeah, and I got uber spiritual. You see, a man by the last name of Clark preached this message. And I was just a Christian for about three years at the time. And so I highlighted and I underlined in pencil because I was really spiritual. And in this scripture, it says, do not love the world <laughs> or anything in the world. If, a, if anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. So I got uber spiritual. And I even used scripture to support the way I treated people. Because you see, I did not drink anymore. And in 1997, I started to cuss less 
And so I wasn't cussing or gambling anymore. But if you drank, swore, or gambled, I shunned you because you basically, look at me, were the enemy. And I used scripture to prove it. Yeah, we get super spiritual. And I don't know who came up with this clever idea. Let's say, let's hate the sin, but love the sinner. Listen, that is just a jacked up way of us justifying our judgmental condemnation and our nasty attitudes towards the sinner. How about if we love the sinner and leave it up to God to do whatever he's going to do with the sin. But Scott, I hate sin, and so does God. You're exactly right. God hates sin. God hates sin so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for your sin on the cross, and he did a perfect job doing it. So nice try with that excuse. How about we try loving the sinner? How about we try loving the sinner? You see, what Jesus did was he did this. He stooped down on the ground. And again, I don't know what he was writing. It doesn't matter. But what he showed this guilty, adulterous woman is what matters. It's what he showed the crowd is what matters. It's what he showed those teachers of the law, the religious, that matters. And it's what he shows us that matters, church. You see, what he shows us is that he, being Jesus, not only got down on this guilty woman's level, it is a good possibility that he even lowered himself lower than her. And this was the king of all kings, the one who never committed any sin, got lower than a guilty, adulterous woman. Guys, give it up for Daryl, the adulterous woman. All right, let's talk about you guys for a second. You guys are the crowd. It seems like they got off really easy, right? I mean, he only addressed them once, and he wasn't even really addressing them. Back to John chapter 8. You guys all right? I don't know what he just said, but if he said what I think he just said, you guys give it up for that. Wow. Listen, man. Listen, church. Listen, church. We take ourselves way too serious sometimes. God's good. God is good. Amen.
All right, you now. Nah, all right. Whew. Let's talk about the crowd, especially that one. <laughs> you see, he wasn't even talking to the crowd. He was talking to those religious people. He's talking to the Pharisees of the law, those teachers of the law. And he was talking to them, but the crowd overheard what he said and had a pretty big impact on him. Because Jesus said this, he said, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. It says that this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left. And I love the fact that Jesus did not discriminate here. Listen, we discriminate so often as we rank this sin as an eight and this sin as a two. But listen, sin is sin to Jesus. And so Jesus did not discriminate here. Church, we've gotten up in arms, man, over this homosexuality deal. Can I tell you that homosexuality, those committing that sin, it is no different then the heterosexuals out there that are sleeping around, it is no different. I've not heard too many campaigns and marches on the heterosexuals that are committing those sins. And so why are we discriminating? Jesus did not discriminate. You see, he looked at the crowd. They were guilty of their sins. Self-admitted guilt. Because they went away. Because they knew they had sin in their life. Jesus didn't condemn them either. You can't tell me that in that crowd, there was not at least one guy. I mean, come on. There had to be at least one guy that was sleeping around. Had to be. I mean, there's probably in this crowd, at least one guy that's probably sleeping around. Let's just be real. Did you know that the law that said that this adulterous woman was to die, the same law said that that guy sleeping around, he was to die too? Jesus didn't condemn him either. Listen, I guarantee you in that crowd that the town gossip was there. And Jesus didn't discriminate, remember? He saw the adulterous woman and the town gossip as the same sin. You see, the town gossip was there. Oh, yeah, she didn't have Twitter. You see, she had messenger pigeons waiting to be launched. She had a full flock waiting to be launched to tell the entire town what this lady did and with who. Jesus didn't discriminate. It says the older ones left first. The young ones were left there still videoing. They wanted to see what was going to happen to this lady and launch it to YouTube. I guarantee you some of the young people in the crowd have not been honoring their mother and father. Ten Commandments. Jesus didn't discriminate. No, you see, Jesus said the exact same thing to the adulterous woman that he said to the crowd. You see, in John chapter 8, verse 11, church, I want you to see this. Take a look. Jesus' reaction and his response was the exact same thing. 
to the adulterous woman, he said, then neither do I condemn you. And to the crowd, and to the crowd who was guilty of all kinds of sin, he said, neither do I condemn you. The message was the same. Some of you are like, I've never heard this before. The only message that I've heard in churches is that that I'm guilty and that, man, I leave feeling condemned and all the time feeling basically worthless because I've sinned. The message is the same for you. It's that Jesus doesn't condemn you either. And maybe you've only felt that way from other Christians. That we've looked at you and we've shunned you. And you've never felt love and you've never felt embraced and you've never felt grace. Can I be the first one to apologize and say that I'm sorry? Because the Jesus of the gospel never made a sinner feel worse about themselves. The Jesus of the gospel only made the sinner feel like, you know what? Giving my life to you means that I've got hope. You see, here's the beauty of this story. Jesus told this girl to go now and leave your life of sin. Soon, soon. Jesus wasn't going to just sweep her sins away in hopes that she doesn't go and sin again. You see, soon Jesus was not only going to do away with her sin, soon Jesus was going to do away with her sin and the crowd's sin, and soon Jesus was going to die on the cross for our sin as well. And so today, again, maybe this is the best news you've ever heard. You see, that's what the gospel means. It's the good news. Because I tell you today, whether your mess is brought out to the forefront because, listen, those of you who are sitting there almost condemning me for this, you have a mess. I promise you, you do. It may not be out in the forefront, but whether it's out in the forefront or whether it's being covered by the crowd, Jesus will not condemn you either. And so right now, do not close your eyes. Scott, I'm a sinner. Listen, if you've prayed a prayer,
And I don't know. I don't know. Today, maybe this has just hit home with you. You may have been in the church all your life. You've never gotten it before. Today, you may have entered this place, maybe high, and not on life. I don't know what you did right before coming into this place. I don't know what you have planned on doing when you leave this place. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus loves you. Yeah, he loves you. And today, you know that you are a sinner. And you are as guilty as sin, as my grandmother used to say. Today, you need a Savior who does not condemn you, but who does radically change your life. Scripture says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe that He is God's Son, that Jesus was raised from the dead, if we confess with our mouth, we too will be saved. If you need the love of a Savior like that, I'm just going to ask you to stand. Everybody, you can look. Yeah, this is hard, man. But there's no judging taking place in this room. I can promise you that. I can't thank you for being honest and bold. God bless you. Amen. 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 You just started a relationship with Jesus today that loves you, and I don't care what you brought into this place. I don't care what you brought into this place. Thank you. Amen. You see, we have what's called a next step at this place. And you've just not only entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you've entered into a relationship with us. We have one of the greatest discipleship pastors probably in the country at this church. And there's a reason why he's here. It's because the Holy Spirit is changing people's lives. His name's Brent Bennett. If you just stood up, you are going to get to know Brent Bennett. God bless you guys. God bless you. You guys can be seated. Thank you for being honest. Amen. Give it up. Hey, church. You see, without Jesus, church, we all deserve death. And can I tell you something? I'd be the first to go. Did y'all see that? I'd be the first to go because I know better. But because of what Jesus Christ did for us, my sins are forgiven. And your sins are forgiven. 
And so Christ follower, what I want you to do right now, and only if you mean this, Christ follower, what I want you to do right now, if only you mean this, you got a rock when you came in here. God didn't call us to judge. He didn't call us to throw stones. He says very clearly that he did not send his son Jesus into this world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. And so if he did not send Jesus into this world to condemn it, then church, he did not send us into this world to condemn it either. That rock does not leave this building. What leaves this building is you and a love for Jesus and a love for the people. And so right now, I want you to stand to your feet. And I don't know if we've cut this last song because I wouldn't shut up. The good news is too good. But right now, what I want you to do, if you mean it, that rock that you hold, there's cans sitting in the middle and on both sides. Yeah, we're going to close it with a song, thankfully. As this song is playing, I want you to bring your rock up. And I want you to toss it into this bucket. Because God has called us not to throw stones.